0: You've read the headlines. But what if there is more to the story than meets the eye? What if the truth is more than can be read at face value? What if the greatest truth has existed the whole time? Waiting to be unearthed, waiting to be recognized. What if what the truth requires is a change of perspective? Happy Easter, everybody. Praise God you are here. We have made it. Oh, my goodness. At all of our campuses, I we have just experienced an amazing time of worship. I am tempted to just say, let's dismiss now. We'll go beat the Baptists over to Denny's and be done. But there's more music at the end of each service, so I, I'm going to keep going. But, man, praise God. Um, there's a song that we sang here that— If we're not dead, God's not done. And I just want to say, man, I think that's true for each and every one of us in this room. But then collectively, as Willow Creek, (laughs) if we're not dead, God's not done with this place. And I just want to say praise God for the way that he is moving in this place. It's an old uh, fable that a farmer used a horse to... Plow his fields, and one day the horse got away from him and ran up into the the woods, up into the mountains. And his neighbors heard what had happened and said, We we heard the bad news. And the farmer said, Well, bad news, good news, you know, depends on your perspective. And about a week later, uh, that horse came back, but he came back with an entire herd of valuable wild horses. And he led those horses on into the farmer's stable. Well, the neighbors heard that and celebrated with the farmer the good news. And the farmer said, well, you know, bad news, good news. Kind of depends on your perspective. A couple days later, there was a a son. The farmer's son was trying to break one of the horses, was trying to get it ready to be utilized. And, And the horse threw him off and he hit the ground and he broke his leg. And the neighbors heard about the farmer's son and said, man, I'm so sorry to hear about your bad news. The farmer said, well, you know, all sympathies to my son, but, you know, bad news, good news. Some, sometimes it just depends on your perspective. And then, of course, a few days later, the, the army marched into town. They were recruiting all able-bodied young men to come and to fight in a war. And they saw this son with a broken leg and they let him off. And so let me ask you, good news, bad news, sometimes it depends on your perspective. Sometimes it depends on your point of view because news technically is just a statement of the facts. It's just a recounting of what happened. And sometimes whether or not news is good or whether or not news is bad, sometimes it just depends on your point of view. Let's take some of the headlines recently. I mean, you might have seen that Elon is trying to buy Twitter. Uh, He first wants to own the roads, then he wants to own space, and now he wants to own your mind. (laughs) So is that good news? I mean, if you are an investor, you might see that news one way. If you are a staff person at Twitter, you might see it another way. If you look at it from a political perspective, you might see it a different way. Let's look at a different news story, Asia flight, uh, Air Asia flight was diverted, uh, full of passengers, when someone spotted this. Can you tell what that is? That is a snake on the plane. It's not just a movie, folks, it happened. Now some of you would look at that and say, well, I mean, that's not really news, newsworthy. Some of you would say that's not only newsworthy, that's investigation worthy. We've got to figure out how that happened and make sure it never happens again, right? Maybe you saw a couple nights ago this image. This is the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., and a group of Ukrainian activists projected the Ukraine flag up on the Russian embassy in D.C., Yeah, I don't care who you are. That's awesome news. Isn't that great? But sometimes the news, it kind of depends on your perspective. Now, we study the story of Easter, the story of Jesus in books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the news, the story of Jesus, and they all do so from a different perspective. But what has happened over the centuries is that everyone has said, Man, that story, that's incredible news. That is good news. And so they labeled these four stories, these four books of the Bible, the Gospels. Because in Greek, uh, Gospel translates to good news. For centuries, people have called the Easter story good news. What's your perspective? What's your perspective? Is it good news? Is it great news? Okay, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. For some of us, it's irrelevant news. That's our point of view. For some of us, it happened 2,000 years ago. I don't see how it affects my life today. For some people, it, it happened so long ago. What's Jesus really going to make a difference in my life today? And I just want to say to you, if you're here celebrating Easter with us, investigating Easter with us, then I just want to say, man, thank you for coming and asking those tough questions. For some people, the news is tired, if we're being honest. For some of you, you've heard the story again and again and again, and it never changes He never rises on the second day. He never rises on the fourth day. It's always the same story. And over the years, you've allowed it from your perspective to just become tired news. So today, what I want to do is I want to tell you this familiar story, but from a different perspective. I'm hoping that you'll see it a different way. And by seeing it from a different perspective, that it will impact you in a new and fresh way. I want to tell you the story of Barabbas. And this is a guy that we admittedly don't know a whole lot about. But what we do know, we can gather that this is a guy we probably wouldn't like. Matthew in his gospel refers to Barabbas as a notorious prisoner. Luke calls him a murderer and an insurrectionist. John refers to him as a thief. And you get the idea. This is just a bad guy. He's a thief. He's somebody that is rising up against the Roman oppression. He's murdering people. He's chasing after uh, a new kingdom. He wants to usher Israel into a new kingdom, but he wants to do it by, by murder and thievery. And it's just a bad guy now when we meet barabbas he comes into the scene of the easter story on friday jesus rides into jerusalem on palm sunday well at least that's what we call it from our perspective from their perspective they would have called it selection sunday it was the day that they selected the lamb that was to be sacrificed on passover to celebrate their salvation Isn't it interesting that on Selection Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the Lamb of God. Well, that was Selection Sunday, and then Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, he was teaching, he was interacting with his disciples. On Thursday, that's when we have the Last Supper, the the Eucharist, the common meal. Uh, that, that, That is the time that, from our perspective, we would call it communion. From their perspective, they would call it the Seder meal. In preparation to celebrate the, of the Passover. And it was in that meal that Jesus broke the normal script and took the cup of redemption, a cup of wine that was representing the blood of the sacrificed lamb, and says, This is my blood given up for you. So much symbolism, so much power in the story, especially when you see it from their perspective. That was Thursday, and then Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus ends up on Friday now in his sixth and final trial, standing before Pilate in a place that John's calls the Pavement. Now, Pilate has tried a number of different maneuvers to try and get rid of Jesus, trying to not to have to pass judgment on Jesus. But there's this angry mob of Jewish leaders who is inciting the crowd to say, no, we want to get rid of this upstart. We want to get rid of this threat to our power. And so Pilate is kind of in a pinch. He's, he, he's got to avoid a riot any way he can. And so that's where we join the story. I'm in Matthew 27, verse 15, and it says this. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. It was Passover and so they would let the Jewish people choose one of their own to be released as a mercy from the Roman government. Verse 16, at that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Now, some of you would raise an eyebrow at that because you, in your Bible, maybe it doesn't say Jesus Barabbas, it just says Barabbas. That's because for centuries, um, even though Barabbas' first name was Jesus, scholars and translators would take Jesus or Barabbas' first name out of the picture as a way to honor Jesus. I like it back in. Bibles are putting it back in now. One, because I like accuracy when it comes to Scripture. But the other reason that I love it back in is because it sets up an incredible contrast between Jesus, the one they call the Messiah, and Jesus Barabbas. Both are trying to get Israel into a new kingdom. One is doing it by thievery and chasing power and chasing military might and going from the top down and doing everything that it takes. To make it happen, another is trying to serve people, is trying to teach forgiveness, is trying to help people understand love, is trying to help people understand service and goodness. Jesus Barabbas is willing to kill for his cause. Jesus the Messiah willing to die for his. Verse 20 But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which one of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Okay, so let's picture this from Barabbas' perspective. Barabbas would have been held in the fortress of Antonia. It's a place where they put everybody who's basically waiting to be crucified. That's where Barabbas is. In 2,000 feet away is the pavement, and that is where Pilate is interacting with the crowd about Jesus. So, 2,000 feet, little less than half a mile. Why do I bring that up? Because he is close enough to hear the mob shouting, but he is far enough away that he cannot hear what Pilate is saying. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to play the part of Pilate, and I would like for you to play the part of the angry mob. And let's do our lines together, okay? I'll ask the question, and then you shout out, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then I'll ask another question, and you shout out, crucify him, crucify him. That will be tough for you to do, but I, I'm going to ask you to do it anyway so that we can understand Barabbas' perspective. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Barabbas, Barabbas crucify him crucify him who do you want me to release to you barabbas, barabbas. okay that was a little bit middle school pep rally all right <laughs> i'm going for angry mob are you ready who do you want me to release to you barabbas, barabbas. <laughs> what should we do with jesus crucify him. Crucify him. did you hear what barabbas would have heard Barabbas, Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. From Barabbas' perspective, this is it. It's over. There is no hope. His his evil actions have gotten him in a place where he is now just waiting for the soldiers to come and swing open the door and take him and nail him to a cross. So that when those soldiers actually rush up to the door and swing it open, he's probably just cowering in the corner. He knows what's to come. He knows what he deserves. He knows that there's no hope. Despair rushes in. And that soldier would say something like, Barabbas, you're free to go. Someone else is going to die on your cross. Folks, Barabbas might be the character in the story that I know the least about, and yet he might be the one that, that we have the most in common with. I and mean, here's a guy that really deserves the punishment that he is that that he is planning to get that it, that he has been given. He, he, he is someone that is not um, earning his way. He's not earning redemption. He's not promising repentance. He's not, he, he, he doesn't deserve anything, and yet Jesus dies on his cross. Whew. Barabbas' perspective reminds me That I haven't earned anything. Titus 3.5. It's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but according to his mercy that he has saved me. By putting my faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. I haven't earned a thing, but I get to go to heaven. My sin's forgiven. and I get to be with God forever. That is grace. That is good news. That is life-changing, eternity-affecting, amazing news. hmm Barabbas perspective reminds me that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Well that's how it affects me. I I'd wonder about you. Huh? How do you relate? Because more often than not, when people walk through those doors, a lot of times they're feeling shackled. Shackled to a past where there was a failure or abuse or rejection. Some people that walk through our doors feel confined by issues in their present, feeling the pressure of finances, feeling the pressure of broken relationships. There are those that feel imprisoned walking through our doors because they are facing questions about their future that say, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, how I will pay my bills, how we will get through, how my kids are going to survive. And I believe That God brought you here today in that it is no accident. I believe he brought you here to remind you or maybe to tell you for the very first time, Jesus died on your cross and he is willing to set you free. Oh, the cross. Yeah. The cross is something that we have a unique perspective on as well. Do you understand, like for us, the cross is cast into precious metals and hung around our necks. We use the cross to decorate our buildings. But Barabbas would have seen the cross in anyone from his day in a completely different, from a completely different perspective. The cross was an instrument of torture and execution. The cross is what you would use if you wanted to, to murder someone, to execute someone, to make a point. To all of their followers. The cross was a shameful thing reserved for the worst of the worst. For Barabbas to see a cross around your neck. Or for a cross to be decorating one of our buildings. Would be as shocking to him as it would be for you to see someone walking around today. With, forgive me, like an electric chair. Pendant. How does something so ugly and shameful like the cross go to being something that is an inspiration, a a hope giver, to be something that is sacred, to be something that we celebrate? How does the cross shift in people's perspective? It, It shifts because we know the rest of the story. The Easter story doesn't end on Friday, From our perspective, Jesus dies on that cross. Two men take him. The men prepare the body. They put him in the tomb. They put the spices on the body. They put him in the tomb. And then Jesus' followers go into hiding. All the demons of hell begin celebrating. But heaven just starts counting down. Three, two, one. And on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, why did they have to do that? Because the men had already done it. Because the women had to do it right, okay? (laughs) They found the stone... Rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the man said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Oh, so good. Folks. The Easter story changes our perspective on the cross. The Easter story, the empty tomb, changes our perspective on everything. Jesus put the fun back in funeral, okay? Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death. He took the sting away from death. He took the hopelessness away from death. Jesus conquered sin and death and everything that it, that it results in. Despair and discouragement disillusionment and brokenness. Jesus gives hope now in every situation. So now everything that I face in this world, I can have a different perspective. When I am victimized, I don't have to be defined by that anymore. My perspective can change and I can go from victim to victor because of Jesus in my life. There's a trial that I go through in life. Jesus can help me look at that and see and help it turn to become a triumph in my life. You say, well, my life is a mess. That's okay because Jesus can change things. He can redefine things, reframe things. You can look at it from a different perspective. Hope can break in and your mess of a life can become a message of hope to other people. The storms of life can become stories of God's faithfulness and somebody ought to praise God for the truth of Easter. <laughs> Whoo. Well, how does the story end for Barabbas? The truth is, we don't quite know. But we do have some traditions that have been handed down through history. And the first tradition is that Barabbas, unfortunately, ignored the good news. Ignored the gospel. It was said by some that Barabbas was actually... Um, back at his old ways a few months later, leading rebellions, inciting violence, and that he actually, a few months later, was just crucified. How sad. Do you know people that respond to Easter that way, though? They, they hear the good news, but it really doesn't affect their life. They just kind of go back. They, they hear the good news, and they go, oh, that's a nice story on a fun holiday, and then they just eat some jelly beans and just kind of go back to their regular life because it's just too good to be true i mean that can't oh that's it's too easy it's just too good to be true you know h&r block offered this promotion a few years back where customers could come in have their taxes done and then enter a drawing to win a million dollars and glenn and gloria sims went in got their taxes done and entered and they won and HR Block called them up on the phone and said, You have won the million dollars. And Glenn Sims thought it was a scam and hung up on them. <laughs> then they sent message after message after message, phone call after phone call, and every time Glenn or Gloria would just rip up the message or hang up the phone. It took the Today Show. <laughs> producer <laughs> called them up and said, Mr. Sims, we want you to know we're about to run a story about. A, a couple that is refusing to accept a million-dollar award, prize. <laughs> and it was at that time that Glenn Sims said, there might be something to this. Yeah. And he ended up accepting the prize. And the reason I share that with you is that I believe that Jesus has an incredible gift to give to you today. the gift, The gift of grace the transforming, life-changing, eternally significant good news that he died on the cross in your place? Will you accept that gift? Well, the second tradition that we have is um, a little more inspiring because in this tradition, Barabbas actually does accept the good news of Jesus. Historians uh, would pass down that Barabbas was actually seen at the foot of the cross, weeping of Jesus' cross. And you can just imagine Barabbas watching Jesus carry the cross up the hill and thinking to himself, that's that's my cross. I, I deserved that cross. You can imagine the soldiers laying Jesus down and the nails being driven into his hands and Barabbas maybe looking away and instinctively grabbing his own hands and thinking, those nails were meant for me. Then still being able to hear, he hears the spike being driven into Jesus' feet and says, this man died on my cross so that I might be forgiven and free and once you've seen the Easter story from that perspective you can never be the same Amen